Hey, it's Prep Bowl time, and we got you covered on Talking Preps. I'm David LeVake. I'm with Jim Paulson. How are you, Jim? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to a, a, a fun couple of days of football coming up here. Yeah, kind of bittersweet because this is the uh, it's the apex of the season, but it's also the end of the season, and I know you don't like to see it go. Football, no, is. football is my favorite sport. It's the one I love to cover. And uh, when football season is over, it's like anybody that's a football fan at any level, it's just done. I mean, you don't have other levels of football that are being played. You you have to wait three, four, five, eight months <laughs> until it happens again. So it's it's always kind of a bittersweet time of the year. Very good. Well, we'll keep it uh, sweet on this podcast. No bitter. Uh, we'll start. We'll break down all seven classes of the Prep Bowl. It's running Friday and Saturday at U.S. Bank Stadium. And we'll go in the order in which the games will be played. And, and to start it off, it's the uh, 1A championship. It's 10 o'clock Friday morning. And it's Springfield versus Miniota. Who you got? Who do I got? Well, it's a rematch <laughs> or, of last year's class think? 1A uh, yeah. uh, 1A football game. Right. And so Springfield comes in with... You know, I'm trying to avenge a loss in the final last year, and uh, that's a very good football team, Springfield. I think they've only got the one loss this season. But playing Miniota in a final is another uh, uh, task altogether. Miniota is a team that I've always admired as probably being as well-coached and that executes as well as any team in the state. They just do not beat themselves. They they know what they have. They've got great players. they got guys that run hard, they block, they tackle, they hit, they don't drop passes, they don't drop balls, they don't miss assignments. That's as well-coached team as you'll find in the state at any level. And that makes a big difference when you get to a a prep bowl because you're always looking for that one little thing that's going to give you an edge over the other guys. And I think that's what makes Miniota so special over the years is that they just never beat themselves. Yeah, it is quite a machine they've got there. All right, so then we'll go to 1 o'clock is the Class 2A championship. we got Barnesville and Eden Valley Watkins. What do you think on this one? I might as well defer to you. What do you think? I did not see either team play uh, in the semifinals, so I know you just from what you've said that Eden Valley Watkins is a great quarterback in Noah Geislinger, and he's going to be putting it on the line against a very balanced Barnesville team. You know, the type of thing is with Barnesville, they run that, that T offense that has been so in vogue in the past, and it really puts a lot of pressure on the defense, and you can break big plays. If you can stop the T offense, um, you can shut them down because this, it's not the type of thing that lends itself to um, changing things up. They're, it's repetitive, and they play. It's an offense that plays until they get a, a seam or they can break a tackle, and suddenly they're gone. Um, and Barnesville plays it as well as anybody in the state. The thing about uh, Barnesville is, is that they might give up a touchdown or two early, but they're just going to keep coming at you. They're going to keep running what they run, doing what they do, and eventually it's going to pay off. They're going to eventually tie up a game if they're trailing and take a lead. And the next thing you know is that you just can't come back on that team because they control the ball, they control the tempo, and uh, they're going to control the game. Uh, with um, Eden Valley Watkins, however, that's a team of a lot of good athletes. It's not just guys singing. There's a lot of good athletes on that team. And part of me just thinks that this is going to be a very, very tight game. It really is. I don't. I would normally lean Barnesville because they are the defending state champs, but uh, I don't know if I could pick one over the other and be confident about it. 
Well, yeah, that, uh, tr- credit to we have the right matchup then. If, mm-hmm. if it's if it's that if it's too close to call, that that's uh, you can that's all you can ask for in a, in a prep bowl scenario. And we got uh, a similar game uh, if, as far as I'm concerned, as far as 4A and and not being able to to tell who's coming in with the advantage. But Ricori mixes it up with Hutchinson. You've seen them both. What do you think? I didn't see Ricori, but I saw Hutch, and I know that that they kind of turned th- their season around when uh, Thody, their running back now, uh, was was just a slot receiver at the at the beginning. But then there was a quarterback injury. They had to move uh, Thody to quarterback, and they realized he could run. And Andy Rosberg, the head coach, is like, this is – you get to pat on the back for good coaching, but the reality is we, we just plugged a guy in that, that had to plug in for injury purposes, and it just worked out really well. So – with him, with him back there, it, it's just it opened things up, and and they've Hutchinson was always very good, but they struggled a little bit, including against Ricori. I think it was eleven nothing the first time they played, and Ricori did win that game. Yeah, and uh, Thody has been taking off since then, and and uh, they're going to be a very different team, a very different look to Hutchinson's Hutchinson's offense. But you know, Ricori's a recent state champion. They know how to win. They they've got a formula that works for them too. So I think it's going to be a great four A championship game. Yeah, and you know, and, and Hutchinson, uh, they weren't scoring a lot until Thody came in. They had uh, Verhasselt and Renner were their two big guns. Adding Thody's breakaway ability that just gives them a dimension that makes them far more difficult to stop. And Hutchinson is a team that's a bunch of truck drivers they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna just plow you out of the way yeah. and that's the way they play that's so i do love hearing what rosberg says because he's such a humble down-to-earth guy he knows they're good he doesn't flaunt it <laughs> he's willing to say hey you know we didn't know what we had but they found out in the nick of time and it's really made a difference on their season yeah for sure 6A final. That, that's an exciting one because, if nothing else, because it's two fresher names uh, in this situation, but also because you got two teams playing damn good football. You got Centennial and Edina. And I've seen uh, enough to know that uh, it's, it's again, it's going to be a per- it's perfect matchup in the sense that it's going to be really tough to see, you know, whose strength versus whose, I don't want to say weakness. I don't think any of these teams have a weakness, but whose strengths is going to get the better of who. Uh, and Centennial's smash mouth style and Edina uh, offensively they can they're a little bit more finesse offensively with the exception of John Warpinski their running back he's he's a he's a truck driver right out of Hutchinson <laughs> but you know he doesn't look it he's like 5'10 5'11 yeah. about yeah. 195 pounds but when they started giving him the ball and they I think uh, Edina was 1-3 at that point and they were a, largely a passing team yep they started giving him the ball their season took off Warpensky's getting the ball 25, 30, more than 30 times a game, yep. and they're winning games. And he just doesn't ever seem to slow down. He doesn't ever seem to tire. I'm sure if you talk to him, he's beat up and sore at the end of games, but he doesn't seem it. He's just willing to go and go and go. He's the energizer bunny out there, and he's been um, – Edina has been riding him and mm-hmm. playing off of him. They've got a quarterback and sophomore, Mason West, who throws a terrific ball and does not seem like a sophomore at all. Couple of great wide receivers in uh, Meyer Swinney and Sonny Viegas. It's um, a really talented Edina uh, team. Yes. Centennial, they're what I always said they are. They're a bunch of blue collar, hard hat kind of a guys that are going to go out and they want to hit you. And their coach even said that. You know, they they pride themselves in being a team that wants to out physical you. And uh, 
they're gonna they they figure that if the game goes their way in a physical game, they are going to win. They've beaten one of the physical most physical teams in the state in Rosemont twice this year and shut them out both times. So it's a very good uh, uh, centennial team. They've got more talent than they have in the past with the uh, quarterback in Dalen uh, Dalen Cummings, Cummings, Maverick Harper, Maverick Harper, Ty Bragoon, a couple of uh, mm-hmm. uh, good receivers, and they're about and. Uh, um, they're about six four, six three, six four. That can get downfield, and a battering ram of a defensive end slash power running back in Marcus Whiting, yep. who will get you two yards whenever you need it. Yep. So I know Matt Giegenheimer said that that's one of the frustrations of with stopping Centennial their, their option offense. He said Cummings runs it really well and knows just when to pull the ball, and he said that. You, you get things to where you feel like you stopped them, and then all of a sudden they call for Whiting to come into the <laughs> offense. And, yeah. you know, he said it's the Eden Prairie model. Get your best athletes in a position to make big plays. And, and Marcus Whiting is doing that for Centennial, and that, that gives them another d- dimension where they're tough to play. And, you know, I talked to him the other day, and he just got this big grin on his face that they're playing in the state championship game. Uh, hasn't been since, I think, was it 84 Centennial was there and lost to – I want to say it's Hutchinson in the old Class 1A. So it's been a while since Centennial's gotten this far, but these kids are just eating it up, and it's it's great thing for that uh, whole North Metro community. The one thing that uh, Mike Diggins, their coach, talked about is that sometimes there's a, there's a, a, a sense of um, within the North Metro that a lot of teams feel like they're not quite as good and that the South Metro and West Metro teams get most of the love. I think a lot of that's Eden Prairie, but Wyzetta and the Lakeville schools have gotten an awful lot of publicity over the years. But Diggins said that they're representing for the entire north side, for the uh, the uh, Champlin Parks and the uh, Maple Groves and the Anokas. And he said north side football, north metro football is going to be really, really good in the year come, and this is um, Centennial's year to rep for them. Good deal. And I don't know if they if they include the representation of Blaine because that's that's their biggest rival. But so yeah, I didn't notice you didn't mention them. Well, you <laughs> know, and, and let's let's be honest. I mean, there have been some very good North Metro teams in the oh, past. Yeah. St. Michael's always good. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, Champlain Osseo Park won, was uh, in the prep bowl recently. Yeah, and uh, Osseo won it in 2015. Totino yep. Grace won it in 2016. So yep. it's not like we've forgotten about North Metro teams, but. Uh, it, it tends to lean south, skew south a awful lot. Yeah. A lot of that is leaning towards Eden Prairie, I will admit. But that does happen, and I think that there is a, a sense that they're playing for an entire area, not just in Centennial community. we got a southwest metro team to get back to, but we'll, in the meantime, we'll switch it over to Saturday. We've got Kingsland and Nevis going in the nine-player championship, 10 a.m., and uh, I not seen either one of those plays uh, teams play, so we'll rely on Jim Paulson to get us over the goal line here. <laughs> you know, Kingsland is they're both they're both uh, undefeated. Kingsland, the team down south, it's in Spring Valley and Wyckoff area, and then Nevis is up north. You know, in in central Minnesota, north central Minnesota. The thing about these nine player teams is that it's so hard to gauge how they're going to match up with each other. They play other small teams, small town teams in their areas. They don't get out and really see other nine-player teams until they get down to this point of the season. So it's hard to say that this team could beat that team because there's just no real comparison. Um, there's a couple of players. Uh, um, uh, Kingsland runs with their uh, have a, a quarterback and a, and a 5'9 uh, plug of a running back that they lean on, and they're very good players. And... Uh, Nevis has a number of great athletes as well, but they can throw the ball a little bit, and their quarterback uh, completed five passes 
in their victory over Ottertail Central for four for touchdowns. And Nevis just does not give up points. I can't tell you. I think they've had six, seven shutouts this season. So it, it'll be a, a tough game. But, again, this nine-player, you never know what's going to happen. Somebody breaks free and suddenly they're gone and then the snowball starts. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, and that's and that's what happens. So, we'll uh, we'll be watching that one. Stewartville, Annandale playing for the three A title about one o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, and I watched Stewartville in the semifinals. They were trailing seven six at the half, and they were a little slow to get going offensively. Some of that has to do with DGF. They were. Possessing the ball like like nobody uh, nobody's business. I think they had a ten minute drive that led to their first touchdown or their only touchdown. And Stewartville offensively, Aiden Hyder uh, was not doing what he normally can do. He's a he's a uh, Mister Football finalist, thirty seven touchdowns versus one interception. But he was a little slow to start. And again, that's not ripping him. Uh, but that was just DGF, you know, controlling so much of the game. But in the second half, uh, Stewartville got a pick six from their defense, and that really opened up the the you know, kind of got everyone's confidence going and, and got the juices flowing. And you got their offense came around, and then Hydler uh, does Hyder does what you'd expect him to do, and threw a couple touchdown passes, and ultimately they breeze to a twenty eight seven victory. So Stewartville has a lot to like in, in how they play and and what they bring to the table. I, I have not seen. Annandale, so I'm curious uh, your your view of that matchup. It's interesting when you talk about uh, the way Stewartville played. Um, they've leaned on their defense all season long, and they just I think they had a streak of four shutouts in a row in the uh, middle of the regular season. Um, P.J. Fleck talks go for football. He always talks about complementary football, and I think Stewartville, that's what you're talking about in their semifinals. They uh, Their quarterback didn't get going right away, and uh, their opponent was controlling the ball, but the defense and the offense um, were complementary. The, the offense, the defense held them in check and kept the, the Tigers in the game until the offense could get rolling. So that's Stewartville's been number one all year long, and I think they deserve to be. Annandale's a team that has been good many times over the past, but they've been a little snake bit. You know, they've had games where um, they got, got hit by a snowstorm in the semifinals and they got beat. Or COVID has kept a team that their coach thought would be the best team in the class from even showing that what they can do in the playoffs. I know that Matt Walter is just thrilled that they get a chance to show what they can do in this year's playoffs, but it's too much to ask to beat a Stewartville team that's just been you know mowing over opponents. We'll see. Yeah, it's that's a good good matchup, and and like a lot of these matchups, there's we kind of have this air of too close to call, which I think speaks well of of the matchups themselves and. That, that we have compelling games. And then we ended on a really high note, not only the prep bowl, but the season. St. Thomas and Chan Hassan playing for the 5A title. The battle within the battle is going to be the great running backs, the both of them Mr. Football finalists. For uh, Chan Hassan, you have Maxwell Woods. And for St. Thomas Academy, Savion Hart. And a little bit different stylistically, but in, as, as productive as you can get for running backs at the high school level. They're both game changers. You know I mean? Uh, uh, Woods is probably a little bit more explosive. I've said all year long, I haven't seen one player who makes me say, wow, more than Maxwell Woods because he accelerates so quick. He can stop on a dime, change direction, and opponents think they've got the corner um, um, covered, you know, and they've got him contained, and he runs right around them. I've seen so many players this year on defense just 
looking at him, wondering the thing they're running forward to cut him off at the edge and then turn around and start chasing him. Two seconds later, he runs around them. So, and then Savian Hart, also a speed back, but he's got more diversity in sort of power. He can run through arm tackles. He can run up the middle and and uh, break his own uh, break a tackle or two, create space for himself. And he's gone. And he's relentless. He's a he's what you call a bell cow back. Yeah, he, they uh, and then it, it goes beyond there. I mean, uh, Maximus Sims, the St. Thomas Academy quarterback. Maximus Sims. He, he's thrown some good balls, and, and he did some really good things in the semifinals. And uh, then uh, the receiver for Ch- uh, Chanhassen, Daxton Bush, he had a really good semifinal against Andover in that, and sh- in that shootout. That's a very good point. There's more than just these two players. These yeah. are two very good teams. Yes, for sure. You don't get this far, you know. With with I mean, there's, there, you can't fake your way to a five A or six A or or really any of the titles. You have to have a team that's that's putting in, and and they certainly do, both of them. Um, but yeah, those those things are, are great about that. And, and you talked about uh, the the Shanhassen road to get here, and what they had to overcome. They first of all they had to beat Mankato West twice, and that Mankato West has been. Not only one of the best teams in 5A, but it's been kind of the the nemesis for Chan Chanhassen in the playoffs. They they took care of that. And they got it done. They they got they got through them and and then they they last week I saw them outgun Andover, the highest scoring team in 5A. And so it, they've Chanhassen's really answered everything you'd want from a potential championship team for sure. You know, and they've done it like you just said. They they beat the uh, highest scoring team in uh, in Class 5A. In uh, it might be the highest scoring team in the state. In um, Andover, they've done whatever they've needed to do to win games. Touchdown, and they beat West by a, and Waconia by a touchdown. Uh, they had a couple of, uh, they had a one, and, and the final West game was a one-point game. Um, and then they go out and they outgun Andover in the semifinals. Chan Hassan has shown they can do it any way that need, needs to be done, and they're a team that, that knows how to make the plays when those plays need to be made. And in fairness to St. Thomas Academy, the road hasn't been exactly easy for them either particularly last week against Alexandria they were down 23 to nothing lest we forget and they had to come back from that yeah that tells me an awful lot about uh, the character of a team you get down that bad in a state semifinal a lot of teams would have packed it in right and said well we'll live another day but uh, St. Thomas didn't they just kept pounding away and they kept putting the ball in uh in the Savian Hearts uh, bread basket and letting uh, Maximus Sims throw it and next thing you know They've got a, a touchdown lead, so it it's, uh, it says an awful lot about St. Thomas Academy and the character of that group. Yeah, and they 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 took some, you know they didn't play near the schedule that Chanhassen played, but they did they did play some good opponents and and they played Andover way back in the early part of the year and and it and they were able to um, to kind of with they gave up I think fifty five points, which I don't know the last time a St. Thomas team's given up fifty five points. No, and uh, and but that was the first. Hint that we had that Andover was going to be great. Yeah, that's that, true. Uh, they came out and I think it was the first coach's game that the new head coach at St. Thomas, Travis Walsh, had uh, yep. had um, coached. So you knew that something strange might happen in that one. So you kind of um, give them a pass in that game. And uh, I think that this was a, a, a great matchup for the final game of the Prep Bowl. Yeah, final game of the Prep Bowl, final game of the season. I, uh, I'll pass the Kleenex your way, Jim, because I know you hate to see this time of the year go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm already sniffling. <laughs> Very good. Well, we'll uh, we'll be there covering it these two days, and we'll have all the coverage you could want on StarTribune.com. 
and come back next week and we'll we'll recap some of the thoughts about what we saw on the field. It should be a great prep bowl. Enjoy it and happy Thanksgiving, everybody.